Welcome to PCOSMU, a podcast where we talk about everything related to polycystic ovary syndrome. I'm your host, Nadi Singh, founder of PCOS Club India and PCOS Coach. Having gone through PCOS myself, I understand how overwhelming it can be to decode PCOS, considering the number of symptoms it is associated with. Not only that, but the whole process of getting to understand it as a chronic condition and gathering all the resources for one can take years. According to a study at University of Pennsylvania, despite the common prevalence of PCOS, about one third of women diagnosed with PCOS saw at least three health professionals over at least two years before receiving a satisfactory PCOS diagnosis and information. And this is just at least we're talking about. We've done a lot of polls on our uh, you know, with our community members, and majority of them agree that they take about five years on an average to understand their condition and gather satisfactory resources so they can manage their PCOS. It's quite unfortunate. In today's podcast, we will be talking to a sister like me who is passionate as me, educating menstruators about PCOS through her social media handle, Slaying PCOS. She talks about her own struggles and how she manages her PCOS. Shruti Shingvi, I welcome you to today's podcast. Hello, Nadi. Hi, how are you? I'm good. I'm so glad that we could have this conversation because having this conversation with somebody who has PCOS herself and educates everybody else through her handle, I think there's lot, lots and lots of information that we could share here and uh, you know, help our community members. So thank you for making time out of your busy schedule uh, to do this with me. Thank you for having me. Shruti, tell us about yourself. What was your first reaction when you were diagnosed with PCOS? When was it? And how did you deal with it? Yes, absolutely. So I was diagnosed back in 2015 when uh, the doctors generally did not talk a lot about PCOS because it was not yet a condition that was as prevalent as it is today. So I was diagnosed because I had uh, three missed cycles, which is three months of amenorrhea. And after which I went to my doctor, who is my general uh, practitioner, and I told them that I have not had my periods for three months. And they told me to do a a sonogram and then decided that uh, after seeing the reports and after seeing that there are cysts on my ovaries, we decided to go through the oral contraceptive route because that is what the treatment was back then. And Mm -hmm. I did that for two years. By 2017, I had gained a lot of weight. So I've always been someone who's played a lot of sport my entire life. And I always, I've always been someone who has been in a very good healthy weight category, actually kind of a little bit underweight as well. But I've always had good muscle mass and I've always been very active. But those two years of taking those contraceptive pills really took a toll on my mental as well as my physical health. And after which I decided that I couldn't do this anymore. And we went to... A, Ayurvedic doctor and we found out more about how I could take care of my PCOS without being reliant on those pills and yes my journey started after then. Thanks for sharing. Could you also share a little bit about yourself as to what you're studying and what is your uh, you know daily life? 
So I am from Pune and I've done my bachelor's in microbiology. I've done my BSc in microbiology, uh, after which I took a gap year and I started a pharmaceutical company in which we make a lot of various uh, drugs. But the most important one that I took care of as in me and my partner have our responsibilities distributed, but I took care of the myonis at all part of it. So I really wanted to stay connected to what I am passionate about. So the gynecology sector fell under me and I took care of that for a year. I uh, made sure that everything was running smoothly before I started my uh, master's, which is my master's in science in the subject of nutrition and dietetics, which I am doing currently and I will finish it by 2024. And yes, I've always been very passionate about nutrition. So this career switch, even though it was a little difficult, but through a bridge course and reading a lot, I think I've managed well to get uh, this course done. That's a great achievement. Congratulations, uh, Shruti. Um, you know, I want to I, I want to talk about uh, your journey uh, with respect to managing PCS so far. Uh, I uh, what I gather is that you went through your own struggles of decoding PCOS and what is what it means for your experiences with the pill therapy uh, and then you know figuring out other uh, um, aspects to sort of deal with it. So how has been your journey so far and what are the three four things that you know you wished you knew earlier about PCOS? As you rightly mentioned, that people take at least five years to figure out what is going on in their body first. And I was 15 when I was diagnosed. And in 2000, I, I, it was in 2015. So back then, there was not a lot of information available. Even on Google, there was very, there was like very little research available as well. And at, in, when you're 15 years old, you barely know what's going on anyway. So it was very mm -hmm. difficult trying to figure out why I am in a bigger body than I used to be two years ago. It was very difficult understanding why I have so many mood swings. And the worst part of it all was that I, whenever I used to open that box of pills, I used to see the biggest pamphlet with all the side effects written. And I used to think every single day, why am I doing this to myself? I see mm -hmm. these symptoms written on that paper. I see those symptoms happening to me. Why am I still doing it anyway? Mm -hmm. Because I didn't know that any other way existed. But after the help of a very, very wonderful nutritionist and good doctors and people who actually sat down with me and talked to me about how I could get, how I could not just survive with PCOS, but thrive with it. I feel like mm -hmm. that is when my real journey actually started, which was around uh, a year and a half ago when I met a, a wonderful gynecologist here in Pune itself. And she helped me a lot through everything because before that, every gynec I went to, they just like let me talk for five minutes. Then we were back to the oral contraceptives. And that was just something that was not working for me. Yes, those pills, those hormones are really important for some people. And I agree to that because in some conditions, you actually need those uh, prescriptions but in my condition we found out that a more holistic route actually helped me a lot so after taking like two years of minus at all now I see that my periods are so much more better more regular pain-free than they used to be before so yeah um, I just had to go through all of it and I it started with me taking contraceptives for two years then going on <laughs> to the worst diet of my entire life because there was a doctor who I'm not sure why uh, they did, they prescribed this but uh, the diet included only lentils 
so there were no fruits wow. allowed there were no vegetables allowed there were no dairy products allowed because this had and i caught too many carbohydrates so oh i really did not understood what was because the thing is that when you are not eating fruits when you are not eating vegetables you are not eating enough fiber you are not eating enough micronutrients and to metabolize all those macronutrients these micronutrients were very very important plus mm. i after getting done with that diet i had a bit i still have a b12 deficiency i have to take intramuscular injections for it because once the, see because of such a deficit in all my i was barely eating enough to even get through the day and i my fatigue levels were really bad so i feel like after going through those diets i started realizing that it is me who's going to have to make changes it's me who's going to have to consult someone who i really can trust and after finding that i think it everything really got better for me so i think the most important thing is when you get diagnosed with pcos is to find a team of healthcare professionals you mm. you can't just depend on a nutritionist or a gynecologist you need need an entire team around this time when i was under eating a lot and i was not doing well mentally either because of all the symptoms that i was facing including fatigue and hunger hunger pangs and i was just middle of the night i used to wake up and i used to just start crying because i was just i didn't know what was going on so uh, mm. when i went through all of this i was also recently diagnosed with an eating disorder called orthorexia so um, i did not know when i was doing it that it was an eating disorder and it, that something like this even existed it just sounded wrong to me that people some people could not see food as food and they saw food as numbers or they saw food as different nutrients instead of seeing what that food actually is so after 8 months of therapy and anti anxiety medications we finally started to figure out what was going on because i had a lot of panic attacks uh because of a personal thing that happened and we started to realize that everything in my life was connected with my mental health and that my eating disorder was really aggravating all my pcos symptoms because of having an eating disorder and because of not eating enough all my physical symptoms were getting worse and my anxiety was also increasing so my cortisol levels were bad and th- there was just an inflammatory response in my body which i could physically also see and my blood markers also showed me those symptoms so mm. i think after going after fixing what was actually the root cause like people say that you might have a root cause and you need to work on that before you work on anything else i think my root cause was my mental health and my root cause was my eating disorder which was making me do things which was not good for my body so after mm. going to therapy and after starting my recovery and after talking more about it and talking to a lot of people around me we don't even realize that a lot of people around us are also going through the same things so after mm. doing that and after starting this wonderful community where people just send me nothing but love every single day because they they call me up and they're like you know what this is exactly what i'm going through so i think mm. after that and after the care of a good dietitian and of a good gynecologist and after i started my own education in nutrition and dietetics i think now i can uh, happily say that i am being able to handle my pcos well even though my schedule is like very bad right now but still i managed to take care of myself not only physically but also mentally which really helps me to keep all the symptoms at bay i don't know i i relate with you so much and i think a lot of people who are listening to us 
would also feel that way if they have PCOS or any other chronic condition. Um, and you highlighted a couple of things that I feel that are super important when you are diagnosed with PCOS or you are in a journey to identi identify what is your root cause or what are the things that are triggering your PCOS symptoms. And few of the things are that, uh, you know, you need a team of experts who are genuinely going to invest time in your health. Uh, somebody who is just going to write your prescription under 10 minutes and say that, you know, lose weight and come back and these are the five things you can't eat is not the solution of the problem that is going Absolutely to stay for not. years to come. Because if you are, say, for example, in your case, you were 15 years old and I was about 21 years old when I was diagnosed with PCOS and it's been years since then. You're going through a lot of changes in your body. Your life's going to change. You will maybe in the future plan about your family. And this condition will be here to stay maybe, you know, in some form or the other. Uh, I really hope that for everybody, whoever is listening, you are able to sort of deal with it like it doesn't exist for you anymore. But uh, this is the reality. PCOS can hit you sometimes with some of the really worst symptoms. So, um, and, and you may think that it has gone, but it can just come knocking at your door and it's like, hey, I'm here again with, you know, weird symptoms. So I think understanding your body is super important and figuring out the team of experts that you can always know that call away and you know like you said finding the do doctors that really invested in your health is why you are here right now with all this knowledge so i think having a team of experts is super important and i'm going to shortly talk about the you know uh, the social media aspects and finding the community which is which is a wonderful thing for us uh, you know people who are uh, figuring this out i i come across so many um, you know uh, doctors and they say that you know, social media is uh, really bad. Uh, um, uh, you have uh, so much of information. That's true. You have so much of information. But if social media wasn't there, I don't know how would I have figured out so many things about my BCOS, which my doctor didn't tell me. So I think um, getting the right information, uh, making sure where you're getting that information from is also very Absolutely. important. Um, I feel like, yes. yeah, go ahead. I feel like there's just too much information out there and we just look at people and we take that information for their face value and we don't really check what their credentials are. And I feel like that is doing so much more harm than anything else will. I absolutely agree because if social media did not exist, I am I have no idea if I would have even been in this field, if I would have even cared enough to actually go out there and get an entire degree about it. Because I feel like after seeing what people are sharing these days, after seeing that everyone's just randomly prescribing diets, even if a diet is good for you, it is 100% you cannot say at all if it's going to be good for the other person. Because the first thing that we were taught when we started studying nutrition, and I thought that when I started start studying nutrition, we would actually, you know, I, they would teach us, you know, that this food is bad for you. Don't eat that food and everything. But it was actually kind of the entire opposite thing. So the first sentence that our uh, medical nutrition therapy teacher told us on the first day of college was that food can never be the reason for a disease. If anyone comes up to you and tells you that I ate this and this and that is why, because that is the reason I have this disease, that is absolutely not true. Mm. And that can never exist because food is fuel and it will always, your body will always find a way to make it work. It is the environment you put yourself in. It is your lifestyle. It is 
it is the way you treat your body that is going to make a huge difference and i feel like because there are so many things around us today and we don't understand which of it is right and which is not i feel like it's very important to just find a good expert person in the matter and actually checking the credentials before we just trust and do anything that they're saying uh, telling us to do absolutely you're so very right because um now and then uh, what you see in so you know when i started uh, my page um there was you know very few people who were talking about it legit information now since you see that you know, there are a lot of businesses which have come up to sort of help people there is random information that i see has um, you know no backing Absolutely. of evidence so people who are listening to us maybe you might relate to this that if you have pcos or you are trying to manage it somebody would say that gluten is really bad go gluten free <laughs> and somebody would say that uh, you know you you should have gluten gluten has nothing to do with it then somebody would say rice is bad potatoes are bad everything is bad just take it out of your diet and then somebody would say that you know uh, you know rice khane se kuch nahi hota white rice is great brown rice is uh, even amazing so um, i would want to sort of give my views here as well as we talk but shruti in your you know experience and since you spoke about your eating disorder as well what what was your biggest challenge while implementing lifestyle change and how do you sort of you know overcome it in your daily life considering you know so much of information that Uh, we see around us how do you sort of decode it and implement it i would like to start to answer that question with this sentence which which is that gluten is not bad for you first of all not everyone needs to stop eating gluten and people are choosing when people are choosing gluten free foods they are choosing the wrong gluten free foods so mm. inherently all the millets that we've been eating our entire life i don't know about the rest of india but at least in maharashtra even today our diet is mostly based on bajra and jowar and ragi and any any like any maharashtrians that you see inherently have all of these things in their diet and mm. these are naturally gluten free as well so yes these are absolutely 100% good for you not all the gluten free things that you get, buy in the market as a replacement for what you're eating right now are going to be good for you because to substitute that gluten there is a lot of things that needs to be added to make that food product a stable food product just because something has gluten free written on it does not mean that it's inherently good for you and also so not everyone so gluten is literally just a plant protein which is there in some of the cereal groups like wheat rye barley and it's actually for some people yes it causes an inflammatory response but if you have a good gut health if this is something that you've been eating your entire life like wheat rotis then that is something probably is not going that is something probably is not going to affect you that much but you just need to recognize if it's actually a problem or if it's if social media is making it a problem for you because health is very individualized for some people we've learned that so there are two stages of insulin release okay in our body and we've learned that for some people that first stage of insulin release is so good that no matter what they eat that insulin just works on it and it does wonders for them and then there are some mm. people who are like me who have insulin resistance and who have to follow a few things because my insulin is inherently not that, my stage 1 insulin is inherently not that good at doing its job so understanding yeah. that health is very individualized and just because someone is saying that something worked for them does not mean that it's going to work for me 
and understanding that going to a professional seeking out help instead of just googling things and i can't even say that i'm not guilty of it i was vegan for 3 years i did not eat gluten for a year so i am not someone who can just go out there and say that you know what everyone is wrong i have been through this myself and i know that those 3 years were so challenging not only because i compromised a lot on the taste and nutrition of my food but also because it was so expensive for me to follow up with gluten free mm. products are very expensive they are filled with a lot of preservatives and they are filled with a lot of additional stabilizers to make those products stable and palatable and they are generally you know to just to make it palatable there is more amount of fat added into it also dairy free as well i mean i i did not need to go dairy free because the milk that we get is organic and that is something that i can consume every single day milk is not the enemy animal milk is not the enemy the milk that you get right now is the enemy and animal milk inherently is very good for you because it has the perfect ratio of carbohydrates proteins and fats it also has a good amount of micronutrients in it and in maharashtra it has been known as sampurna anna for a very long time which literally translates to complete food but then again the milk that we are getting right now probably isn't that good for us plus people who have insulin resistance might have a problem with the insulin like growth mm. factors in it so basically mm. there is no black and white when it comes to health it Super. might be wonderful for you and not so wonderful for someone else so i feel like yeah. just going out there and talking to an expert talking to someone who is doing this for a profession only that will make you realize what is good for you and what will you know kind of help you in your journey so for me milk is never a problem milk has never been a problem and i don't know why i was vegan for 3 years because milk is still not a problem for me i mm. absolutely love my dahi and i eat it every single day and it keeps my gut happy it keeps me happy so i think we need to realize that at this point at least that health is very individualized and once we kind of start working on what will help us only then our body will help us too you you said some of the most beautiful things and very right that it is individualized and the environment that you are in can really influence your health and your health profile so you know just to give my two cents and my experience is that and and i have learned through my experiences and the good part is that you know through our communities we are bringing you know the uh, you know the menstruators and their own experiences of what it has been like uh, of trying gluten free diets or dairy free diets and and uh, every time whenever do a poll on on my uh, social media handles and other other areas or other presentations there is always a 40 50% kind of people who have you know like the dairy free and it worked for them and there are always those other 40% for whom you know dairy free um did not work so uh, or worked you know so it's not like it's uh the only way to go about it plus somebody who is you know uh, living in a hostel say for example away from family finding yeah uh, these um specific things to eat can be really challenging on its own way like you know at first phase you're not you are do not have an access to a kitchen where you may have your you know uh, things that you like and you can absolutely have it. uh it can trigger more stress response and i have seen people 
stopped eating altogether because they say that you know i couldn't find gluten free diet and i'm in a hostel i don't want to do more bad to me and that's even more uh, you know even more worse because uh, when you stop eating uh, it's it's going to trigger your uh, stress response and your pcs symptoms can get bad uh, so it depends where you are living what's your life like are you somebody who is in a uh, you know who's a health practitioner themselves working nighttime shifts and they might need a different kind while somebody who is very active and they still have pcs uh, then how do they eat so uh, you have to sort of find out your own um, um, you know personal health profile and work on it to give you a reference that you know in I, um, I, the last when i checked only about 1 to 2 percent people in the whole world will have celiac disease which is an autoimmune response to gluten absolutely and they, and they cannot digest gluten and usually you have it by birth and we see in genetics as well but as long as it's not that gluten is not bad for you but then it depends where you are in your journey are you in your healing journey are you in the place where you know taking out these foods for some time can bring you relief yes but it's not like you will not you cannot have gluten and it's coming from my own experience and many other people that i've spoken and shruti rightly said that maybe you take out gluten and you find initially in your initial few days that you're finding it really good but uh, it's not that because of gluten you have pcos it's just one aspect that you're taking out as reducing the inflammatory response and once you heal your body when you heal your when your body heals you can probably bring that back so uh, that's the unfortunate and this part should, yeah and this should all be under the guidance of an expert this should mm-hmm. never be done on our own because we don't really understand that we are undernourishing our body and that itself is a big stress on our body and our liver has to work four times as harder to bring the nutrients that we are lacking, lacking. so if you don't eat enough carbohydrates and but your heart and your brain muscle your brain tissues need a constant blood sugar level mm. so if you're not eating enough carbohydrates if th- that is something that your diet is lacking your liver has to work twice as hard to get it from other sources which is your protein which either you're eating or your muscle is breaking down so we don't realize that by doing these things we are putting our body in such a big amount of stress and that is the reason why we are again so we keep on going in this loop of not understanding why this is happening and yeah. i i'm not even going to lie i love my coconut milk like i would literally choose coconut milk over any animal milk ever but when i can't make it when i when i don't have the time to make it what can i do i can't just stop eating altogether so i will yeah. c- consume animal milk i have seen and as you rightly mentioned people stop eating altogether uh one of my friends she's going to like kill me if she hears this but hopefully she does not because she did not have access to a healthy meal in her hostel that night and because it was late and everything instead of eating whatever was available she chose to eat only half a cucumber because everyone has scared her so much into believing that if she eats gluten that's the worst thing for her but to mm-hmm. just you know call her up and tell her that no you're not doing this ever again in your life it was such a difficult task because we are fed with so much information the entire day we open instagram there's a new person talking about a new diet <laughs> but we don't realize that these diets were never meant for people with pcos keto was meant for people with cancer 
like you rightly mm-hmm. mentioned gluten free was made for people with celiac disease lactose free diets or vegan diets were made for people who have a problem digesting lactose who are lactose intolerant but instead of using these for therapeutic things we're actually using it randomly because someone told us to so i think yeah. that is the thing that we need to understand we need to be able to differentiate between what is actually the truth and what are facts proven scientific facts through a research and what is actually just someone randomly saying something for a few views or a few followers and that is something that actually has caused a lot of harm to a lot of people i see that eating disorders which we didn't even consider a lot i didn't even think when i first heard this term that it probably existed in india because i thought why would anyone mm. like think that way because we have mm. such a uh, because in at least in my family we have a very loving friendly environment where food has always been seen as a fuel but because i was such immense pressure from i was under such immense pressure from social media and everywhere around me i still developed an eating disorder even though my family had a good good relationship with food so i mm. feel like we need to start understanding that we can't just do these things because it worked for us and we can't just go out there talking about it because it is causing real harm to real people and their health are being sacrificed absolutely and i think uh, uh, just to add my own experience um, uh, about uh, elimination diet or so uh, when i didn't you know uh, from the courses that i did uh and i'm still learning from from courses that i'm pursuing um uh, i went vegan myself um about for about 2 to 1 and a half years and um i didn't know the difference between going vegan and uh eating whole foods plant based diet there's a difference between yeah. that uh Big what one. you do is is when you eliminate uh you know main elements of your diet like whole milk or eggs uh you also need to find replacements or alternatives to substitute that absolutely when you start taking that out your body gets into another mode of confusion that hey you were giving me milk and i was getting my protein fats from here now where do i get it from so you have to substitute it and i wasn't doing that enough because i didn't know it i was i didn't know anything about diet at that point in time or eating habits many years went by and i'm still learning but your body needs to substitute your body doesn't know milk or it doesn't know coconut milk it just knows that this is my source of proteins and this is yeah this is what i have to make energy from so if you stop giving those foods which it has been used to many years like roti now if you're not having roti what will you now give it which can be a replacement for the nutrients people don't feel satiated either if they are replacing roti with something anything yeah. they don't even feel satiated after eating that because they've yeah. had such a long habit of eating this itself and then yeah. they just don't feel satiated eating anything else yeah so one example is that maybe instead of the wheat that you get from a packaged wheat product like without mentioning which is like or say a multigrain atta which is really high yeah. on gluten you might want to switch to mr wheat which is less inflammatory still have a little bit of gluten but you are sort of getting the same texture and you are getting the wheat there so there are alternatives and there are sources which only people who are professionally equipped with the knowledge to guide you so just just to give an example i don't want to keep going on with this but i'm anybody who's listening to me right now 
and you don't know where to start from, I think it's super important to question it. And as in the last episode, uh, we spoke to Dr. Neetu Bajigal, who made very, uh, you know, very sure to say that you as a person who's going through PCOS is in the driver's seat. Nobody can force you to make a decision. Whether Absolutely. It's your, whether it's your medication, whether it's your diet. Question, why am I doing it? What will it do? Where is the research? How long do I have to do it? Is it good for my health? What are the side effects? You have all the right to question it. So before you do any changes with your life, with your health, uh, to make your feel yourself better, just make sure that it is the right information. Absolutely, 100%. And this might feel like a task in the beginning. You might feel like, oh, why am I doing this? Why do I always have to second guess everything? But once you get the hang of it, once you understand what's working for your body and what's not working for your body, then this is something, because this is a chronic condition. No matter what we want to believe, this is a chronic condition. You have to live with it for the rest of your life. So it's upon you. If you decide that you just want to understand your body and then thrive with it for the rest of your life, you can do it. You can absolutely do it. You can start right away. You can start understanding how your body is working and what it needs. And that will be something that you can use for the rest of your life. So investing a little bit right now will do wonders for you in the long term. Also, while we were talking about milk and, you know, replacing things and everything, I also wanted to mention a few fun facts that I've recently come to know, which I feel are amazing trying to understand why these things are good for us. And even if they are good, even if they are good for us or not. So milk has an amino acid, which is essential, which is called tryptophan. Tryptophan actually is the precursor for synthesizing serotonin. So when Mm. I understood this fact for the first time, I was like, wait, are you telling me that serotonin, I am actually getting it from my milk. That is why a lot of people cannot fall asleep without drinking their night glass of milk. And I was just Mm. so amazed learning that. And also, you don't have to quit eating eggs. I feel like the more nutrition that I study, even though I'm a vegetarian and I do not eat eggs, I feel like eggs should be a a part of everyone's diet, especially people who are trying to conceive and who are someone who are looking to improve their fertility because eggs are amazing for you. And the animal sources of protein are actually much easily absorbed in your body and their biological value is very high. So I feel like, If you want to keep eating these things, you absolutely should. You just need to start with the guidance of a doctor, of a nutritionist and try to understand what portion sizes work for you and what proportions work for you and which meat works for you and which milk works for you. So once you get this done and once you just like go through the entire process, you see your doctor, you see your nutritionist, you try to figure out what medications are going to work for you. You try to figure out if your mental health is something that is triggering your inflammatory responses and your stress responses. And once you are go, once you go through, through this entire procedure and once you understand what is it that your body wants, I think then, then managing PCOS will become much easier than anything. And once you have the proof in front of yourself, I am pretty sure that you will not listen to anyone saying anything else about your body because you will know exactly what your body needs. Absolutely. And as I always say that you yourself are your own nutritionist, your own, Absolutely. Uh, you know, your, your own therapist in the sense understanding your body because no external person can know what is going wrong in terms of a food you're eating. Only you can tell that, okay, this is something... We spoke about it 
and mentioned a couple of times it's very bio individual somebody may be able to digest you know uh, milk and eggs somebody is in such an inflammatory response that they need a lot of you know elimination at the moment temporarily and that's where the expert exactly yeah so, exactly um, um thanks shruti your body can do wonders it can digest anything and everything that you're eating you just need to help it a little bit once your gut health is better than it is before i digest milk so beautifully now before this i used to have a lot of cramping bloating a lot of things because i was literally not eating any vegetables or fruits for a very long time so mm. and oh my god i've been scared of banana my entire life and now that i'm studying nutrition i think banana is my favorite fruit so basically <laughs> you need this. to understand that <laughs> so you basically you just need to understand that even if it's an elimination protocol it's not going to be for the rest of your life it is only until your inflammatory responses go back to normal your look everything that is even in your blood uh, reports whatever inflammatory markers that you've seen are higher and even the physical symptoms that you're seeing once they go back to normal once your gut is healed once you're feeling good you can start those products very easily and you can live a normal life without having to you know cut this out from your diet cut that out from your diet but again this all needs to be done through a monitored pattern and there has to be someone who is who is equipped to actually help you go through all of this Absolutely. so i think that is very important absolutely and this brings me to one of my last segment but yet super important uh we spoke about you know foods we spoke about decoding pieces we spoke about you know finding your own path to figure what this condition means for you but there are some of the very underrated symptoms of pieces and i want to talk about the mental health aspect which you touched upon in our earlier a uh, part of our conversation and especially about your eating disorders uh and a lot of people don't know about it um uh, shruti what has been your learning when it comes to the underrated symptoms of pcos uh, especially when it's about your mental health anxiety um why don't you share some of your uh, learnings for the community so i feel like we talk a lot about how we gain weight when we get diagnosed with pcos or how our periods are irregular and how we have a lot of pms and uh, how difficult it is to go through all of that but i think the underrated symptoms which we don't talk about a lot are the symptoms that i have personally faced more than anything else in my past years or past 8 years of living with pcos i think the first of that is fatigue i think fatigue has been such a difficult thing for me because i was not realizing that my body was always in a fight and flight mode mm-hmm. i just it did not just feel safe it's it's a very basic thing if your body does not feel that it, you know you're giving it enough nutrition that it can take care of itself then how do you expect it to menstruate how do you expect it to be ready to give life to another human being if it doesn't think that it can take care of itself in the first place uh and especially i think we don't recognize that fatigue is has nothing to do with someone being lazy which i have been told way too many times than i would have cared to listen to but i think uh the biggest learning that i've learned about fatigue is that b12 d3 iron magnesium these are the four things that really affect your fatigue levels and the most important thing that we don't talk about so okay i'm studying nutrition right now and i think uh, this is the first thing that i've learned and this is the most important thing that i've learned is before you try to fix anything else in your entire lifestyle before you even go towards your diet or your exercise or your medication 
you need to fix your sleep schedule and i am mm-hmm. saying that very proudly as if i didn't just stay awake till 3 am completing my assignments <laughs> the other day but i swear to god when i was in my gap year and I, when i started sleeping uh, in the right timings where my melatonin levels were at at its peaks and when i started having a good sleep schedule without even changing a lot of things in my diet without even changing my medications or without even taking any medications for that matter because you know it just completely changed how my body responded to a lot of things so my fatigue levels were absolutely zero and i had so much more energy and will to do all of it i felt like i wanted to follow a good diet i had enough energy to go out there and smash an entire hour of working out so i feel like sleep is the first thing that i would target as a nutritionist and as someone who's been through the entire pcos journey and i think fatigue is one of the biggest underrated symptoms of pcos uh the second symptom that i faced a lot was mood swings and anxiety so i feel like all of this was because through get through all to get through all of that fatigue i was drinking a lot of coffee and by mm. a lot i'm not even kidding it was a lot so i feel like uh, to make and that was something that was really triggering my anxiety and that uh, only, not only that but i as many people as i've talked with who have pcos or any other chronic conditions for that matter i've realized that most of us are always living in this health anxiety mode because we are seeing so many things out there and we are seeing like you know what you're at a higher risk of this you're at a higher risk of that that without even realizing if we weren't told that we were at a higher risk of that we probably won't even get it because we are not worried about it and we are not causing our body so much stress worrying about it so i feel like uh, anxiety is something that is very important to uh, you know like just take control of it uh, you ha- you can do whatever you need to do so for me uh, when we when i was in therapy we d- discovered that for me uh, the one thing that really helps me get through my anxiety is listening to this one podcast and just walking for an hour you don't even have to run you don't even have to do anything just walking in good fresh air and just you know so we have this uh, small garden uh, around where i live and just going out there and even right now because i'm uh, in my uh, education uh, like uh, right now i don't get a lot of time to actually go and do that but even in campus if i just go for a walk that helps so much with my anxiety i can just calm my thoughts and i think that is something that will really help you get around all of the other symptoms that you face with pcos so i think this is the second symptom we don't talk a lot about and we really should talk a lot about at this point because there are so many studies that absolutely prove that there is a big connection between how your mental health is and how your physical outcomes are going to be and i think the third thing that um, we don't really talk a lot about is how difficult it can be just to adjust through the changes that are going on not only uh, physically but also the so i used to have absolutely painless periods before i got diagnosed with pcos and actually in our religion we have a eight day fast as well and i did that while i was on my period when i was younger and after being diagnosed with pcos my periods it was just so difficult to you know get through that and not being able to understand that why this is changing so much but uh, after a few changes seed cycling and understanding ki uh, my hormones some hormones are going to be at peak at some level of my cycle and that is where i can do physical tasks in the other period of my cycle i can do much better mental task and concentrating task and to understand that 
I need to sync whatever uh, tasks that I have with the cycle that is going on right now. And to understand that I need to help my menstrual health to make sure that my periods are painless. And then I can actually have a good experience out of it instead of just sitting and crying the entire day. That was very empowering as well. So I think just talking more about, I think the only thing that helped me to get through all of the changes, including uh, the physical changes that I saw in my own body, uh, no matter what we talk about, even if it's hirsutism, even if it's, uh, I personally did not face hair loss, but I've talked to a lot of people who did. Just talking about it and understanding that there are a lot of people around you who are going through the same things and just getting the validation that you know what, this is something that is a problem that a lot of people are facing and this finding the solutions to those when you hear a lot of people saying yeah, I did this I did that and trying it and actually when when it works uh, that is I think something that has helped me a lot and having a community around me where I can just you know call so I've ha- I've ha- I have this friend Tanit and I just call her up any single day and I'm like you know what today is not the best day of my life today my symptoms are not letting me live at all and I just don't want to do anything I just want to talk to you and crib about it just having that phone call will yeah. actually help you so much. If you just talk about it more, I know that this is something that in our society we consider as a taboo. And I, I know that we don't really talk a lot about menstrual health, but I think it's about time that we change that because Absolutely. we need more funding. We need more funding for the research on women's health. We need more funding on talking about how menstruators are being affected through so many things around us. And I think that will happen when we talk more about it just talking more about it will actually help to you know go out there and you know just get all of the things that we are looking for so I think these are the three things that I really struggled with for a very long time and now that I have a beautiful community and now that I have a team of experts working for my health working towards my health instead of just telling me to as you rightly said a while ago go lose weight and eat these pills just having that conversation just Going to my gynecologist would you you it used to be the most difficult thing ever because mm-hmm. I knew that I'm gonna go in there, they're gonna body shame me, they're gonna tell me you can never eat a banana in your life, no matter what happens, don't eat it. And you know, just those random advices that kept happening from mm-hmm. going from there to actually going to a gynecologist who now sits with me for half an hour. We talk through my concerns, we talk through my blood work, we talk through what I've been what symptoms I've been feeling lately and then adjusting the medications according to that that has just been the biggest blessing I think I've ever received in my entire life and that will make a huge difference thank you for sharing uh, those golden uh, I think words and so much of information which I don't think uh, is so easily available I love this conversation Shruti and what you said about you know all these underrated things i my also my heart goes out for all the people who are trying to maybe fix their sleep schedule and they know about it but there could be so yeah. many external factors in their lives yeah. um i in in my conversations with so many people uh, and it happened during pandemic so much but i, I hope things are changing that uh, there wasn't enough space for um, you know women to exercise or there wasn't enough space for them to uh, you know uh, bring a good sleep schedule because of the lives that they have there is a lot of role that your family plays here or friends because at some point in time absolutely uh, you won't find everybody understanding you that is for sure 
you may not find your uh, parents helping you here. They would say, oh, it's bullshit. But having said that, you will find some, it has to be just one person also. Just one person Absolutely. who you can uh, have this conversation and let your heart out. And of course, you have access to so many communities like, you know, what should happen and more we have. But uh, finding the support is so, so crucial. And it's very underrated because what you learn through others' experiences, you will never learn going to just one expert because everybody has so Absolutely. many different experiences and whether it's about research let me tell you there are so many researchers researchers right now which are under you know you know doing so many so much of work around subtopics whether it's mental health whether it's uh, gluten whether it's you know dairy free uh, what i and shruti are saying are from our own experiences talking to our community yes. members evidence what we see but in my conversations, and we, we had these beautiful conversations in the annual pieces summits that we've held previously. And um, I love what uh, one of the experts said that, you know, while you are working on a research, it can take up to 10 years to come as a valid Absolutely. research. And while somebody... studies are very important. So, so while you may hear that this thing is bullshit, it doesn't have research. Maybe it's coming into research. It will come. But if it's working for you, go ahead. Nobody is going to sort of judge you here because you know your own body. This is the advice that I would give living with it over a decade and learning from my own experiences. And I'm sure Shruti will agree here that Absolutely. Know, nobody knows your body. You know it. So... I have this... learned more from the people who've actually experienced PCOS. So learning about Shruti, I lost you. And I think it's very important to have communities, especially like PCOS Club India, while they are bringing together uh, a team of experts who can actually help you under the guidance of someone who's actually experienced PCOS instead of just being a company who's trying to earn a profit, they are actually going out there, talking to people, bringing real life stories. And I am not even kidding when I say that I feel so overjoyed every single time I see a new post by PCOS Club India, because I have never seen even one post where they are just giving out a random claim. I've always seen some backup out there. I've seen some experience I've seen, and not only talking about physical symptoms, but I've seen that Nidhi especially talks a lot about the mental health side of it. And I think I'm so grateful that there's a platform out there who's actually doing all of these wonderful things. So I just want to thank you, Nidhi, for creating this absolutely amazing platform and also for inviting me for this podcast. And I really hope that you keep doing this for a very long time and that a lot of people get to benefit from every single thing that you are doing. Thank you so much for having me. I really, really hope that our conversation that we did today, people who are listening, they could resonate and they could take away a few things that they can implement in their uh, PCS journey. So thank you, Shruti, for making time. And uh, thank you, everybody uh, who joined us uh, to listen to this conversation today. And as I always say, we're always stronger than PCS. And I'm going to see you on the next episode.